Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, jumping right back into summer scouting, only a couple positions left. Today, we've got the off-ball linebacker group. A lot of different shapes and sizes that off-ball linebacker comes in nowadays. Defenses, they're trying to keep up with what offenses are doing, and because of that, they're using defensive guys in all sorts of different ways. It is a total chess game, and with that, there's a ton of different types of linebackers to talk about. I know it's going to make a difference for my top five versus Connor's top five. There's going to be a lot of diversity there. Oh, also, I need to defend myself for the Mock Draft Monday episode that we did on Monday because I am heated about that. You know what? Let's just get right to it. I'm Trevor Sigma. That's Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Coming to you guys from Connor, what's it been like two weeks? We pre-recorded Almost. last Monday's episode. Right. So I, this is the longest that I feel like I haven't seen you or heard your voice since we started this podcast in January. So I it, it, it's good to see you on the camera, buddy. It's good to be back. It is really good to be back. The vibes are uh, immaculate. And you know, I didn't want to text you too much. You're on vacation and uh, it was, it, it did feel like a long time because like Trevor said, we did pre-record the last show, which we're going to get into caused a lot of buzz on Twitter. Even yeah. when you were out there trying to enjoy the surf, man, whoo, buddy, you got roasted. Uh, <laughs> do we start right there before we I'm get gonna your do, vacation? I need to, look, I need to defend my honor here. Okay. We can talk a little bit about the vacation, but okay, guys, you're tuning in this episode because the, the headline of the episode says summer scouting linebackers. We will get into the class. We will do what we've been doing yeah. the entire we, summer. We don't need an hour and a half for that. I promise. <laughs> a Confirmed. little preview. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> We don't need an hour and a half for this linebacker group, so we're going to kind of uh, shoot the shit a little bit. And uh, look, I, I am, I am here to defend my honor. Okay? Whatever's if, left of it. If you guys did not listen to, if you're listening to this and you did not listen to the Monday episode, what Connor and I did is we had a really fun exercise. We did dueling mock, mock draft format. We put together teams as starting 22s, offense and defense drafting from every round of the 2020 2021 and 2022 nfl draft so once each of us could pick from a certain round then we we couldn't pick from that round again and you had to pick at least one player from that round connor your team is good okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say that your team's not good but i there is some slander going on for my team i was getting eviscerated in the replies and in the comment section and i'm not standing for it i'm not my team is not that bad you put together a good offense but i countered you and i have a great defense to match it people give me some credit here so that was my take that i was gonna not tell you till we went on the show this just showed me that people don't give a damn about the defense because I, dude, my defense is cheeks. Cheeks, it's dude. So you got, bro, you got your secondary. Okay. Look, I, I'll admit my wide receivers, not the greatest wide receivers in the world. Okay. We got Kalou Shakir. We got Gabe Davis. We got Bo Melton. Not great. We do have Kyle Pitts though, which I pleaded with people. Do not overlook Kyle Pitts. And what did you guys do? You let me down. You overlooked Kyle Pitts. Your secondary is Paulson Adebo, 
Monteric Brown, Dane Jackson, Jordan Fuller, and Michael Carter. Move to safety Pitts, out of the slot. <laughs> Kyle Pitts is going off for 13, 245, and three touchdowns on your team. You're, you can't, you're not stopping them. My secondary is AJ Terrell, Kyler Gordon, Nate Hobbs, Camp Curl, Antoine Winfield Jr. And you're right, Connor. Nobody gave a damn about it because you Nobody had cares. Justin Herbert, you had Darnell Moody, you had Justin Jefferson, you had Jonathan Taylor. Great offense. Great offense. Y'all are that, letting That's the thing. Right? People I'll saw the trifecta of Herbert, Taylor, and Justin Jefferson with an elite offensive line in front of them. And they were like, oh, blowout. Trevor. Go back to vacation. This your team stinks. And I just sat there and laughed it up. I had such a good time. I was sitting there with a coffee, watching the room. Re- I'd refresh the tweet every now and then. Because I usually get roasted on these things. I lose the Madden simulators. I don't do so well in the YouTube comments. Uh, which, there's an iconic YouTube comment that pointed out, apparently I just went three times yeah, in a row. you got three picks in a row. And we didn't even bat an eye. Like, nobody cared at all. That sums up, folks, we do a draft for every it's every sunday we record usually yeah but it comes out every monday in your yes. ears and eyes uh i mean it's gonna happen we are just at the point man where like we're, there's real football coming back really soon actually right. unbelievably right. if you want to call the hall of fame game real football but we which got I through do, which it I, which i don't which i don't No, i always think i'm excited for the hall of fame game and then i turn it on and i'm like ugh. It's so funny that they call it the Hall of Fame game and that they like make this big spectacle out of, you know, like, like this is the moment the football is back. And the Hall of Fame game is probably the worst preseason game every single year. Oh, it's the worst. It's worse than any like XFL. It's, and I'm not kidding. It really is. It's worse I, than any of those games. I feel like they should, the Hall of Fame game should be, you know, like week three or four when most of the starters are playing, when people actually care. Because isn't Trevor Lawrence like not even playing in the game? Dude, it, not only is he not playing, they're they're starting like their fourth string quarterback. Starting. <laughs> Who's Isn't it Jake Lutton? Why is that sticking I in my, name, no, all in right, my head? Jags depth chart right now. To I'm start. pretty sure. We are already yep, Googling. Absolutely. It's Jake Lutton. Yep, it, he is not their starter, obviously, and I don't think he's their mm. backup. CJ so, Beathard's their backup. Yeah, Beathard's or, not playing. Or as or as Mike Renner said at one time, CJ beat hard, which is the <laughs> the greatest. You can say it like that. I, you're right. And it's spelled exactly like that. So spelled Mike, exactly uh, like that, except okay. we do use uh, you know th th together in this language. We just do to remind people. We do. I, Mike was getting a little ahead of himself. That's amazing. Um, okay, so Hall of Fame game on the docket. Everybody's like really fake excited. That's okay. Be fake excited. Football's coming back. You were in Hawaii. I was. Uh, looked, looked amazing. Dude, but dude, let's look, hear it. I, I need people. I need people to just look at the camera right now on YouTube. And if you're listening on audio, I'm sorry. Go on YouTube. Then go on YouTube. This is the tannest I've ever been in my life. Ever. No question about it. I'm normally the whitest dude I know. And just when you're in Hawaii, you're outside, it's beautiful. The weather is phenomenal. It's my first time ever out there. So anybody who's ever out there kind of knows what I'm talking about. Connor, I was going to ask you this pre-show and then I'm like, nah, I'm just going to ask you this on the show. Are you a sushi guy? Like, do you like poke bowls like this? Oh, so yeah, I do like poke bowls. I don't like sushi, if that makes sense. I get like crab okay Okay, now i gotta know now i gotta know why because they're basically the same thing no 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 i like crab and all that stuff i don't like sushi 
I love seafood. I don't like sushi. There is a difference. Very interesting. Okay, yeah. well, it freaks I, me out. I was setting I've it up. It. I've tried it, but just to confirm. I love sushi. I love poke bowls. I love all of that. The best poke bowl and the best sushi I've ever had in my life. No cap at all whatsoever. Foodland, which is a grocery store in hawaii they 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 do like instead of like a deli they just do like poke bowls and they just do like fresh fish and fresh sushi and biggest tastiest freshest sushi poke i've ever had in my life and it's like 12 dollars. my my wow. entire existence was changed i was already trying to look up property find out how i could finesse my way to do this podcast from hawaii the second i had my first bite I so if anybody out there, if you guys are sushi, poke bowl lovers, and you haven't been to Hawaii yet, that is the holy grail, my friends, getting it out there there for that. I believe you. I mean, yeah, it looked amazing. Uh, you, do you feel refreshed? We, we have a lot of podcasting to do oh, these, yeah. this no, next year. No, this is good. Uh, this, year, was, so. this, was, this, was the, this was the last like big vacation, and now we're, we're hitting the ground running. We're getting right back to it. We're making things happen. Uh, let's get into linebacker summer scouting. With that, let's get right back into okay. football. You guys know the drill. You know how this goes. Connor and I are going to give you our top five players from this position, the off-ball linebacker position, which, you know, funny enough, I was telling somebody about the podcast when I was over in Hawaii, and I told them, oh, yeah, we're doing summer scouting. We're doing off-ball linebacker snacks. And they were like, what is an off-ball linebacker? And I got to explain to them the difference between being an on-ball linebacker, more of an edge rusher, an edge defender, and an off-ball linebacker, which is more of the traditional linebackers that you think that are playing behind uh, those big boys up front, getting racking up all the tackles, being in the middle of that defense and all that stuff. So we're going to give you our top fives, where we're going to go from five to one. We're going to leave the drama for the end. Connor, it's an interesting class, and I use the word interesting as Politely. a – polite adjective about yeah. this now there's a lot of i would say like different flavors of linebackers and i mm. think that this is a natural evolution that we have seen over the last couple of years as defenses have really tried to counter what offenses are doing spreading things out getting four wide receivers five wide receivers on the field going no huddle making things very quick making it difficult to sub you know like and make sure your communication is there if you can keep more of the same players on the field when it comes to your base defense and your nickel defense, and there's one guy in particular I know we're going to talk about with that, the more advantageous it is for you. But in order to have that luxury, you have to have unique players. These guys who are like these linebackers, but could also cover. So coverage is more important than ever for a linebacker. And so it, all that to say, they come in so many different shapes and sizes. And I know my guy that I have at number five is going to talk about that right away, but I'm curious, you're leading it off. Who is your number five off-ball linebacker in this class during the preseason? Five was tough. This was the one that I struggled with, and I decided to go with the player that I think has a lot to gain back this year rather than guys that I thought were solid in the spot. And we'll – get to all those guys after we do the top five because there's there's a lot that are really all in the same tier mm -hmm. but the reason i believe in this guy is number five over them is because of the upside and that's owen papo from oh Auburn. nice okay you watched him that's good that's good i did and i watched him last um which was it's almost because of the injury okay let's just i'll do a little run back because i'm trying to act like for most people listening this is a blank slate for mm -hmm. papo He's somebody that was a former five-star 
uh, spark score and just overall testing was it was like unheard of. Basically, yeah. he's that kind of athlete. Uh, and he got the five star ranking because he's obviously just a really good linebacker recruit. Six one, two hundred twenty five pounds. Unfortunately, was team captain. Like this is a guy right here. This is a dude that like you should know in the SEC. But the reason some people might not know him is because I believe he's coming off of ankle surgery. I know he had a lot of injuries last year. I know there wasn't, uh, I hadn't seen, you know, a lot of college football is weird where they talk to coaches in the spring or in the fall and there's not always exact details with injuries, but I believe it was ankle surgery. So he just really didn't play a lot last year to be completely transparent here. He's somebody that unfortunately this uh, foot surgery from a quick google but i mean like i, okay. I don't know i don't know if the, i don't know if they're being like hockey vague lower body yeah. injury about it whether it's an ankle or a foot or whatever it was yeah so. where i narrowed it down to ankle was um jim Nagy on twitter said something about coming off ankle surgery and so i know i know jim, jim know. Yeah. was on campus so right. i would i would imagine that's right but like you said and it, it sounded like he had a couple things going on last year, so you never know if there was a few surgeries or whatever it may be. Either way with him, um, he's somebody that was highly productive before last year, huge expectations. He's got incredible, an incredible amount of speed and explosiveness packed into this frame. And he, he really, you know, when you look at a 6'1", 225-pound backer, totally muscled up throughout, these guys are, are they can play at the nfl these days like that that's a player that can play in the box where traditionally we were so used to this position playing around 250 uh he's somebody that can do a lot of different things for you at that weight because of the speed whether you want to kick him off the line of scrimmage a little bit you want to play him in the middle you want to play him on the weak side there's a lot of different ways you can use him in 2020 i mean he had 93 tackles and four sacks 2019 he got on the field he had 49 tackles he's a very active player and mm -hmm. with that kind of speed where you think he could be a difference maker is coverage as well so it's disappointing that he didn't get to put up big numbers because the injuries last year but now he's going to be eligible for the senior bowl process this is a former five star that it's not like he got to campus and it just didn't work out that happens to a lot of top recruits five stars this guy got to campus and was good enough that he was playing right away started Voting, voted a team captain in right. the SEC. Right. He just got he, hurt. And, and he's he's kind of been, in my eyes, forgotten about. So I like what I saw in 2020. I love the athletic profile. I love the team captain profile. And I'm betting on him and rooting for him in 2022. Yeah, injuries are tough for linebackers uh, in the same way that injuries would be tough for running backs, right? It, it's a position that just takes so much punishment. And if you if you guys will turn back the clock to the pre-draft process with N'Kobe Dean, and especially on draft weekend, watching him fall, big reason why is because people talked about, okay, well, there's some underlying shoulder issues. You know, like if you're a linebacker and you've got shoulder issues and shoulder injury and that's it that's what you do you hit people like that's your that's your entire uh that's how that's how you make your money if you will for papo the, the reason why he would really be able to stand out and the reason why he would be one of the top linebackers in this class is because of his athleticism we've got to see how he recovers from that foot ankle injury because that's a big part of what's going to certainly allow him to stand out uh, a good friend of mine tom green who covers auburn for al.com I remember talking with him, man, this must've been three years ago now when Papa was just a true freshman. And I was asking him, I think I was asking him about like Derek Brown and, and um, 
Marlon Davidson and like like that entire like defensive sure. line. And he said to me, he's like, dude, watch out for Papo. Like they, he is a true freshman, and they are already giving him full responsibility. And I'm like, damn, okay, that's a that is that's a lot of respect to have for Kevin Steele defense uh, down there in Auburn as the defense coordinator. So th- th- he's a guy that I'm really glad that you mentioned. I'm excited to see him as well because it felt like I heard about that hype from him as a true freshman, and then injury is just it, they've kind of derailed the last couple of years for him, and and I have not really heard much from him and i think a lot of the hype has gone away but this is still a really talented football player hope we get a full uh full year out of him for sure okay five for me um let me pull the right google sheet because you got like a billion of them okay so this is the one that i hinted at as different linebackers coming in different shapes and sizes these days did you watch troy brown the linebacker from central michigan who's transferring to Ole miss was the five b Okay. All right. There we go. So, all right. We, we're kind of like of oh, the similar wavelength. And look, you picked Papo. And I, I think that it's, it's, I don't want to say like easier as if you, you're not like going out on a limb picking him, but he is more of like the prototypical linebacker, right? Like he yeah. has the look. Brown is not. <laughs> he's about six feet tall, maybe six one. They list him as six one. I, think I have it, probably- Trevor. I have his measurements. Um, like, his ofi- like his official, like his official on the down low measurements. Yeah. So right, I have him. As six one, nice. Uh, I'm actually. Let me confirm this. I just had it open, so you can keep talking about him, and I'll find it because it's okay. gonna take a second. I do have his measurements. So he's you. is he? I've got him listed right around six one two twenty. So I've seen some people talk about him being like two o eight, like that, like even that light. So he is a much smaller linebacker. So, yeah, he is not light. He is too old. He's two twenty. That's light. Good, but he's Fine. shorter. He's about six feet tall. Six foot, okay. six feet tall, and an and about an eighth. I thought, I thought he was eighth a little bit quarter. closer to to, to, yeah. to six foot than six yep. one. It's all right. He gets to put on the uh, he gets to put on the bumble profile that it's above six foot. So that's all that matters. You know, he's che- he's checking that box there, which is good. <laughs> so he's a former three star linebacker from Flint, Michigan. He's currently enrolled at Ole Miss, which has done a great job of adding transfer talent in the transfer portal this off season. He's one of a lot of really good gets for them. He was a Central Michigan the last four years. Three-time all-conference linebacker at Central Michigan. So he redshirted, had a freshman year in which redshirt freshman year in which he was kind of like getting things going for him. And then it was just all production from then on now. Three-time all-conference selection. And something that also really stands out to me is was voted a team captain as just a redshirt sophomore. Which you look at linebacker and you think, okay. Sort of like the quarterback of the defense, right? Like, like you go, okay, I would like for one of my defensive captains to be my linebackers because it's somebody in the middle. It's somebody who's setting the tone. It's physicality. But that's, I mean, this guy has lived up to that. It's certainly in a production standpoint. When you watch him on the field, he's really communicating things really well with the rest of the defense, which is something that I definitely look for with linebackers. With him being smaller, he has the obvious strengths to his game. But then he has some added strengths to his game like when i look at a linebacker who played anywhere from 215 to 220 i'm like all right you're getting blown off the ball a lot he really doesn't and now he's playing in the mac but i watched him against missouri last year i watched the tape of him against lsu and that was two of his best games i think he finished with 20 tackles and four tackles for loss between those two sec opponents that he played so he gets up for those bigger opponents too which you really love to see Strength and weaknesses of his game. I'll just give them to you here. 
packs a punch for a player who is just six foot, 220 pounds. At his weight, you would expect him to be a hybrid safety type, but he's not. I mean, this this guy plays like a true linebacker. He's just smaller. A lot of really good reps of him covering running backs out of the backfield. That was something that I made sure to note because whether it's quick routes coming towards the line of scrimmage or the middle of the field, whether it's wheel routes going all the way to the sideline, this guy knows how to cover. He had an elite coverage grade from PFF last year. I believe it was a 91.7 coverage grade, which is incredible, almost an elite overall grade as well. Played that really well. Has the speed to also disrupt and cover shallow crossers over the middle, which I saw him do a couple times, most notably against Missouri. I think he should have had a pick six against Missouri on that. Got a lot of special teams reps to him too. Loves to do the dirty work. Sometimes you see these smaller linebackers, they, they know they're not really going to be able to do much when they're we're going up against head up against blocks. He doesn't care in, in that, in that sense, he reminds me of what we saw a little bit from N'Kobe Dean where N'Kobe Dean yep. was this smaller linebacker who would be like, all right, split zone wingbacks coming across the line of scrimmage. I'm about to put him on his ass and somebody else is going to make the tackle on the running back. That's what I see Troy Brown do a lot. So really excited to see him make the jump from central Michigan up to Ole Miss this upcoming year, full slate of SEC games. Does that speed still stand out? Because if it does, that's a place where he can really make a difference, where he can really separate himself in this class. And even at a smaller size, he's going to be alluring because of what he could do there. If he could bring that speed and still stand out in a conference like the SEC. So I like Troy Brown. There's a lot to like about him. He's got a lot of great production. The size limitations are kind of what you think, not just in overall weight, like when taking on blocks or heading toward the line of scrimmage, the frame as well. Like he's got shorter arms. So like sometimes you'll see him miss a couple of tackles because of that. He doesn't have the big long binds to him, but if you can get over the the, the size, he has a ton uh, outside of that in his game that you could really appreciate. I'm with you. I really liked him despite, like you said, it's just getting over the size gap where, um, yeah. And you're right. You know, shorter arms absolutely he's just a he's a smaller player playing in a big man's wrestling ring right like he they stick him right in the middle of the field right up on the line of scrimmage a lot where he's going through contact he's constantly forward and you know what you're right i'm glad you highlighted that just because he you know it's kind of this argument i had a lot i feel like for malcolm rodriguez is a guy that comes to mind last year and fell all the way to the sixth round of the line it's like a guy can be smaller or shorter and still understand leverage and being physical in the box and working through blocks, not just be a one-trick pony working around them. So uh, I thought his, he had excellent instincts and awareness, both as a run defender and in coverage. So I, I liked him a lot. I'm glad you had him at number five. That, that makes this show that much better that you, know, you had him at five because he was somebody I really wanted us to spend some time on. Number four for me, and this is where it starts to get I think a little bit more interesting, and this Mm -hmm. might surprise some people, my number four player, but I went with Justin Jacobs on Iowa. This is another dude that I think he's going to have a monster breakout year. You saw the glimpses last year. He, you know, maybe he didn't have the same production as his teammate, Jack Campbell, Mm -hmm. who I'm sure you're going to hear on this show today, but he is somebody that... You're going to hear him very soon, actually. Yeah, with him, with Justin Jacobs... He's somebody that has great athleticism, great size. He he's a bigger linebacker, but bigger in a sense of lengthier. Where uh, he's six foot four, he's around two forty. He might even be bigger he, right now. They have a six five and a six four linebacker oh, on that team, dude. The middle of their field is NFL. 
Like, I'm, and I mean that. Like, it's N- it's NFL, the middle of their field. So, you watch Iowa together, and these these guys just make they make plays, but they play smart football. They tackle. They are fundamentally sound. And Jacobs, I think, is a guy that, as a sophomore, it looked like at times they they understand how talented he is and how great he's going to be. But as a sophomore, they said, okay, we're going to give you this role playing on the outside because we have our guy in the middle and we want you to not make a mistake, right? Where you're setting a hard edge and you're opening up alleys for other guys. And we know you have all this athleticism to blow up plays, but we want you to dial it in first. And now I think this year, and they've talked about this, their coaches have been open about this, him playing more freely, Mm. this dude should explode. He should be used like other guys we're going to talk about later on the show as more of a blitzer, as a weapon that can cover in the slot, as a guy that can plug run fits in the A gap or the B gap. I I love this dude's tools package and think that number, and he's a good tackler. They're all good tacklers on that defense, but he's a a really, really good tackler where Mm -hmm. it's tough to tackle. It's setting a hard edge. It's running to the sideline. It's where I got to get the angle. I got to come to balance and I got to play low at 6'4". I got to play low at 6'4 because the guy I'm tackling, I'm probably much taller than. This dude is the real deal, and there's enough snaps there from last year to see that it's going to be big time in 2022, and he's probably going to declare for the draft, and I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about him as a second-round pick when all is said and done. Well, I'm talking about his teammate, number four for me, uh, Jack Campbell. Um, Good timing. We we, we – talked a little bit pre-draft or pre-draft uh pre-show about what uh another guy a little bit higher on my ranking i think we're going to disagree with a little bit here so i i I suspect the camel's a little bit higher on your rankings but i think that that was a great segue into it because you mentioned the 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 size of his teammate there jack campbell's listed at six foot five 245 pounds and just a little bit of uh, background information for him he was a tall lanky linebacker in high school man he weighed just he was he was six four six five coming out of high school and going to Iowa, but he weighed just two hundred and ten pounds. Like this dude was skinny. He has put on easily over thirty pounds since he's been at Iowa. Um, and in fact, you know, leading up to him having a starting role for the Hawkeyes, leading the FBS in tackles last year, hundred and forty three. I think those are solo tackles. I don't think those are combined tackles. I have to look that up, but I believe it. From 143 tackles in uh, 2021 was the most in the FBS. First thing that kind of stands out to you with Campbell is that he feels like just a true throwback kind of a linebacker. Like he's a between the tackles guy. He's a true inside linebacker type. He's a guy that could play the mic for you in a four three defense. He can also, well, I mean, he can still play the mic for for you in a uh, in in a three four as well. But he can be that kind of commander in chief in the middle. That's that's what it feels like. He has such a great grasp of what the rest of the defense is doing. I feel like that allows him to anticipate really well the length when he is attacking the line of scrimmage or when he's coming off of the edge. Really, you could tell offensive linemen like aren't expecting it from a linebacker. You know, this is a guy who has defensive end size and length, and they're just not expecting it uh, as a guy who's coming from the second level to come screaming at him, especially when he goes up the middle, especially when he's attacking those interior gaps. A lot of those interior offensive linemen, he gains the reach advantage pretty quickly when they have him going towards the line of scrimmage. I think he's a really solid player. I do. Some, uh, some strengths that I found for him. Uh, high floor player, very high floor player who understands the position very, very well. 
True inside linebacker type who plays great between the tackles. Great size of 6'5", 245. Not just a thumper of a player. I thought he had pretty nice movement skills for a player who was 6'5". Because, you know, sometimes these linebackers, if they're changing direction, you know, they've got to... They've got to be rolling with chaos, if you will. Like they've got to be sifting through a lot of motion, a lot of moving along the offensive line, and you got to be light on your feet, and you got to be sometimes changing directions really quickly. When you're six foot five, when you're just bigger of a player, we talked about this like with wide receivers. It's just not as easy, you know. A six foot five wide receiver is not going to flip his hips and change direction like a five foot ten wide receiver is. You know, it's just it's different. You've got more of your body mass that you're trying to stop and start and move. But I really did think that Campbell moved pretty well for a player of his size. The weakness in his game, and I do, it, it is a little bit of the backhanded compliment where I say, yeah, he's got a high floor, but I do think he has somewhat of a low ceiling because I didn't see that top tier athleticism in him. Now, I didn't think that he was totally exposed. Like, I didn't think he was this liability on the field. But when it comes to us projecting these guys to the NFL level, the value that I'm getting out of these guys, what separates him from being just another linebacker that's kind of coming through the draft that cycle is that athleticism. That That's the thing that lets you really stand out when it comes to the sideline to sideline speed, what you could do in coverage, how much your instincts will really play to your advantage when you know you can get from point A to point B. Campbell is a good athlete, especially for his size. Didn't see like a great or a major difference making elite kind of an athlete, especially I thought in that Michigan game and that big 10 championship game, I watched that and it felt like a lot of the speed players, especially Blake Corum out of the backfield really kind of gave him trouble and he couldn't really cut them off, get to the pursuit angles as well as he could throughout the rest of the big 10 schedule. So that's kind of what I thought of him. He's a high floor player. There's a lot to like with him, especially if you're just looking for that true inside linebacker presence, but I got Jack Campbell at number four in my rankings. I like it. I'll get to him in a bit. Um, and I agree with a lot of what you said, to be honest with you. Uh, number three for me is Noah Sewell, a name that I think oh, a lot of people three. will be familiar with. He is the brother of Penae Sewell, and he also plays for Oregon. I, Sewell is a fascinating watch because what I'm about to say about him might come off as... I don't want it to come off as criticism, more as things to work on for such a young player because he's only a junior. So the tape you're watching of him, very young player and making young mistakes. The good with him, obviously, former five-star brother of Panay Sewell, um, he hits with authority when he makes tackles and he plays Damn with right fire a lot. <laughs> no surprise there. Like, there's, a, there's an energy with this guy that you really, really like. And it's after every big play, and I think it rubs off on teammates around him. And you like that from a linebacker because I think there is something to playing with some adrenaline, playing with some fire in the middle of the field, where maybe with corners, you like them being calm, steady, even keeled. But a linebacker, it's not always like that. So he shows good. The crazy thing about him, Trevor, is that I like him when they let him rush. That's what I liked about sure. him. It, yeah. it felt like... I remember when I watched Devin Lloyd last year, I was like, man, when they let him rush and they let him put his hand in the dirt sometimes, like he's got legit pass rush tools. And I felt that way watching Sewell where when he would just blitz as a stand-up guy straight downhill, I thought he showed really good hands to get off blocks and close on the quarterback. There was a couple of times where he rushed stand-up from the outside more in the mold of an actual pass rusher. And it was legit outside speed rush with the ability to turn the corner where like 
I'm like, man, this dude's body type, and I should have started with that at six foot three, 250 pounds. He carries weight, no surprise there, being the brother of Penny Sewell. I mean, this dude, he carries mass in a good way, but he, he has a really good corner turn on that outside speed rush. So when another guy, when they let him play freely, he's running around with his hair on fire, getting out to the quarterback, shutting down things in the flats. Now, when they ask him to just be a boring, traditional Mike linebacker, you could see some of the warts. He missed 18 total tackles last year. That number's too high. It's And it's it's not me pulling up the data and going, 18 missed tackles, this is a problem. It's me seeing that and exploring them. He plays high, and he comes mm-hmm. in high. And, and it's a lot of going over the helmet of guys. And he's a big guy. It's going to happen. But you just talked about Campbell. That's the perfect contrast. Because Campbell's a totally different player. But Campbell is so good at coming to balance and breaking down and making teach tape tackles. Sewell is playing faster than Campbell, but it sometimes costs him to miss tackles. Now, another thing with Sewell that, once again, he's a really young guy. I think this is this part of his game is going to really grow. There were a few times, Trevor, and this is the pack, right? This isn't the SEC. This isn't the, this isn't the Big Ten. He's just late. He's in the middle of the field. He's diagnosing a run, and somebody climbed to him, or he didn't get to where he needs to be. He's just late. And he's a good enough athlete where there's also times where he can make up for that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you don't diagnose and you're not as instinctual, it's going to cost you at times. So there's a lot to like with Sewell's game. There's still a level to unlock that's almost fundamental of the position that if he doesn't unlock that level, kind of takes me back to Kenneth Murray's evaluation a couple of years ago. Murray ran around, made these crazy plays sideline to sideline. He could do all these things where you're... It's, you know, it's like a Ferrari without an engine. But when Murray was in the middle of the field and had to read his keys and do very simple things, he struggled with that. And it's like, okay, we'll get him there. Sewell can get there. And if he does, he could be a first-round pick. That's how talented he is. Sure. Uh, so there's a lot to like with him. And obviously, extremely talented player. But there's also some meat on the bone for him as well. So I have Sewell at two, which okay. we're, we're, we're skipping over my third guy. We, we can get to yeah, the Yeah, I'd like to guy, hear your thoughts back-to-back on him. Yeah, we, we might as well just get to school, Sewell back-to-back. You mentioned, I mean, such unique size for this linebacker position because six foot three, 250 pounds, you go, whoa, okay, like that's, that's a big linebacker there. Yeah. When I was doing some background information on him, First, first and foremost, obviously you mentioned he, he's Penny Sewell's brother, an, an insanely talented uh, gene pool that that family has there. I think there's so, more hype for him as a recruit. Yes, yes, there yeah. was five. So he was a five star linebacker from Orem, I believe it's how you say okay. it, this town, Orem, Utah. Brother Penny Sewell. Recruiting profile has Noah Sewell listed at two sixty six, and I found some high school. Uh, I, I I don't want to say blogs like newspaper coverage places saying that he was 270. This dude played oh linebacker, defensive tackle, and more importantly, running back. Noah Sewell played running back in high school at 265, 270. That's nuts. So if you think that Noah Sewell is like big now, he has cut 15 to 20 pounds off just to get to this point of linebacker. I would still actually like to see him cut down a little bit more. I'd love for Sewell to be more like. 240, 250. Um, he was one of just this. I felt like this fact was interesting. One of just two consensus five-star prospects in the state of Utah ever. Haloti Nada was the other one. So pretty, pretty good. Just him and Haloti Nada as the consensus five stars, not even his brother, uh, which I thought was a, a very uh a very interesting point there. You know, you mentioned the the, the missed tackles. 
Uh, and I think that that's something that certainly he, he's got to get better at. He's been starting at such a young age that, of course, you mentioned, and I'm glad you put the context to it. When you start as an underclassman, especially as a freshman and a sophomore, especially as a true freshman and a true sophomore, you're going to have things on tape that is just you're, you're, you don't have the awareness to be better at yet. You have not seen it. The experience isn't there. Now, when, when Noah Sewell gets done with this next year, hopefully fully healthy, it's another fully healthy year under his belt, then all of a sudden this dude's got three levels of starting experience and he's going to be at a young age. So all, that that all plays really, really well into his profile. If he can kind of figure it out, take that next step with anticipation and recognition, I think that that's really important. But really unique player, man. I mean, just from the size profile, you mentioned what he could be as a pass rusher, almost had an elite pass rush grade all of last season. I believe it was an 88.9. Maybe that is, maybe we do, maybe PFF might actually have an 88 as an elite categorized pass rush grade for a off ball linebacker. I feel like that that would make sense if that would be the case, but there are did you see his win rate? Like how, no, what's the win rate? So his, his pass rush. Yeah. Win rate was 31.2%. That is nuts. Now, you know, when I saw that number, I'm like, is he just like free blitzing? Like where, where they're set, they're setting up the blitz that he's the free rusher. Right. But no, there's plenty of times where he's blocked, but he's went like holy cow. He, uh, there's a part of me, Trevor, that walked away watching him and go, "Man, he could be a really good linebacker in the NFL." Then there's the part of me that's like, "Can he just be an edge pass rusher?" Honestly, I didn't even think about him in that box. Certainly with the weight, the I mean, power. Well, I'm and and if he if he weighed more in high school, you know that he could do it. Oh, easily. Maybe that's look. Maybe that's that's maybe this one. It's do. it's tricky because like I know you're getting into it. He's your number two. He's my number three. He, he's a good off ball linebacker that makes explosive plays. He is. He is. He is. I, the the weaknesses I have in his game is would love to see how he moves at two forty two forty five. I really would like. Oh, that's be a first, rocket. That's the that's the first line that I have there. I want another year of experience with Noah Sewell, and I'd love to see him at two forty two forty five because I think that he has the strength naturally he's just a very strong dude yeah you still hold up and still be effective and especially when you are crashing him through the middle in the a gaps that guy's still gonna be a force at 240 245 he's not gonna be hitting interior offensive linemen the way that some other linebackers would be at 240 he's gonna be stronger he's gonna be more dense he's gonna be put a hurting on him when they hits the the point of attack and yet he's gonna be lighter on his feet he's gonna be have an even better sideline to sideline pursuit he's gonna be able to cover i thought that he was when it came to coverage it felt like that was the biggest area in which he knew what to do. He just didn't quite see it like it, it, like when he needed to. The, it, he was a split second late, I feel like, on coverage more than anything else. But you saw his eyes going exactly where they needed to be. It was just a little bit late. It was more reactionary than it was anticipatory. So that's a, that's a big part of uh, being young and getting better. And, and if he takes that next step, I'd love to see him at a lighter weight. I don't think we're going to see it, though. I think he's just going to be a 250-pound linebacker. So he's just going to yeah. be a good guy. He had a really good year, and I think they're like, okay, this is who you are. We're, we're not going to risk changing that. Right, and, right. And he's and he's the best player on that defense right now. So they're just going to kind of let him be. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna let him be what he needs to be. Uh, who's your number two? You, you read your number two, and then I'll read my number three. We're going a little bit of out, of, out of order, but I feel like uh, that was better for the conversation. Two for me was the, a guy you went over in Jack Campbell. And okay, you do. if you ask me the question, who do I think will end up being the better 
pre-draft prospect after this season and testing and everything, I'd say Noah Sewell. Noah Sewell would be number two. And I do go back and forth. We both do this. We go back and forth on, like, this guy is a projection guy, mm-hmm. like like uh, Popo and Justin Jacobs is even more projecting. He's got he's got to play more. I didn't do that with Sewell over Campbell, just assuming he's going to take those steps because I wanted to give Campbell a little love for the player that he already is. And you kind of highlighted all those things, and I, I totally agree with your points of he's not a high ceiling guy. Like he, I don't think he's going to run very well, honestly, I, I, on the track. Like. That's I don't think he's going to be this crazy tester. Do I think he'll be adequate? Better on field speed, baby. Because More it's more comfortable all, with the cleats. It's all here. It is. It's real. It's very real. This very guy real. sees everything before it happens. Have you he's ever have you, have you ever ran a 40 like for, you know, just like as a media guy, like they'll be like, "Oh, like what what are you going to run the 40?" Have you ever run a 40 before? I mean, I don't time it, but I've run a 40. I've run sprints, yes. Okay, okay so I this is like to your Jack Although, Campbell point. That would be a fun bit one day. Which, what, us running? Yes. <laughs> just, I mean, yeah, we, we could for sure. Uh, we people... Might be ugly for me at this point. <laughs> oh, God. Brother. 30-year-old legs. Wouldn't oh, be... boy. <laughs> Not so, good. So when I did this for TDN like a couple years ago, we had like I a little briefly combine. briefly remember this. We had like a, a fun little combine. And getting down in that like stance to just like do a sprint – feels like so like awkward and weird and i had i and I, I think it ran like a five two and i'm like i'm not like five two slow like i don't think that's I'm fast but like five two is not five two is people don't realize five two is fast like for an average adult i ran American a five adult. two and i was like okay i'm way faster than that and i i think back to if i played so i played soccer a lot growing up soccer was my main sport that i played in high school and i'm thinking to myself like if you were to time me just on a soccer field, like even even just like flat-footed, hey, ball gets hit over your head, you're starting from zero, you're going to sprint for the ball as fast as you can, I guarantee I'm running faster when I'm on that soccer field than I am on that track. So that could be Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell could end up testing worse than you think that he's going to, and you go, man, he's not that bad of an athlete on tape. And I, I, I'm just agreeing with you 100%. Yeah. That can be real for guys. You can have more comfort speed when the helmet's on, when the pads are on, when the cleats are on than sure. you do at the combine or wherever you're running a 40. I totally agree because the start is everything. And I'm with you that I think that's what I would struggle with. Like to counter what you said about soccer, I played lacrosse and I was a midfielder. Mm, if you just yeah. time me doing a full field clear, just running, I will be a lot faster than getting into a stance, right. listening it's to the so gun or the awkward, laser dude. and starting up. I would need coaching for at least a month to do that and match my actual full buildup speed. Right. So I, I, I agree. And that's a real thing for prospects, like learning to start. I've gone down to different training facilities before. And, you know, you, you poke around, you ask trainers, what are you working with? So many will just tell you, we're working on a start for the 40. Like this dude is on a lifting routine. He's on a diet routine. He's fast. He could jump. He can catch the ball. He could do this. We just we go out here onto the track, and we work on the start for the forty. It's kind of annoys me a little bit how I don't want to say it's not a football thing, but there is a part of it that's not a football thing, and it, it, there's so so much invested into it as a football thing. What if uh, you know what we should redo the whole combine to where 
you are running a 40 out of the stance that you play in. Yeah, so and, like, G- and just GPS it, right? So Use like, the GPS. Yeah, and, and like wide receivers, they're just doing like a, a regular, like a wide receiver stance where you're standing upright and like you're trying to like get off the line of scrimmage. And like that's yes. the speed that matters to you. Who cares if you can't get in a track stance? If you're a pass rusher, okay, you're getting, down, split. You're getting down a little bit lower. But like then you're exploding out of your pass rush stance. And like that's what actually matters. If you're a running back, I don't know, you could do like the full – Eat, the feet are even hands on the knees like boom okay like now you're getting out of your stance now you're running into it i think i, I think, think in our lifetime we need we need an evolved combine we need to change the game evolve that's what humans are all about whoever comes up with it is going to make a lot of money because they're going to distribute all the tech to the nfl which will pay millions and billions of dollars for it um and, and teams are doing they're behind the scenes teams are doing this they're using more college gps tracking they're using more stuff like that but in our lifetime we are going to see changes to how testing is evaluated i wonder if because you're right like the technology exists like we see this all the time right like the guys are wearing the chest straps like miles per hour and like nfl next gen stats has this on all these guys every single week like that's a better measurement of athleticism than a lot of the things that we have at the combine like not to say that the combine's useless it's just there are those little awkward things where you go like okay that's a major reason why somebody might suck at this drill and it doesn't actually have anything to do with football i wonder if they're apprehensive to change it just because we have what 30 years of data doing the same exact thing oh and if you and if you change it then all of a sudden it's like okay you have no barometer like okay this guy ran this and people are like uh was that fast i don't know no league in the world meets the criterion of the this is just always how we've done it we have grown men out with stopwatches all the time it's true like as a guy that dabbles in a little baseball coverage that's tech the tech for baseball right now and that's a sport that's been behind for way too long but the tech for baseball right now is unbelievable and i'm not saying football isn't but football because it's bro- everything's broadcasted, mm-hmm. right? Like with mm-hmm. baseball, you don't see a guy throwing and then checking the sp- like spin rate tracker and all these things. Like football, we watch the forty on TV right. and it's covered yeah. and it does excellent ratings. I mean, watch yeah. guys. We stand, you and I stand next to each other and watch guys bench press. Like it's it's just how we've always done things. It's I, true. It, there'll it's be true. somebody will break that barrier of like, okay, this is more important. It's that's coming, but we're just not there yet. I need somebody to. In the next mailbag episode that we have, ask Connor and I to come up with a brand, like a new combine, like just straight from, just straight from scratch, like the best ways to evaluate certain position groups, because that would be a fun thing to do a little bit of research on and go back and forth to do it. It's, it's a great content idea. And listen, dude, we built an expansion franchise. We can make a new combine. This is like a walk, cakewalk. Back to Jack Campbell. After yeah, a I little derailed. hiatus. Sorry. I derailed. No, I derailed. no, 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 no. We're good. And you talked a lot about him, so I'm going to be brief. Permanent team captain, sound, instinctual, responsible player, consistent ability to stack, shed, and fire into the ball carrier. Uh, long speed will probably be a little bit of a concern with him preacher after or, or tested speed. This dude is just... I, I honestly think he... He might have been able to declare... I, I don't know. A lot of Iowa guys do stay... Yeah. very often so it's not shocking and him and Justin Jacobs are going to be pretty special in the middle of the field together in the Big Ten maybe some of it was that but when you watch this game you go oh it, there it's 
very not niche it's he's a little role specific at the next level i think he'd be an early down player i think he'd be a goal line player Mm -hmm. but and number one who you and i are going to talk about is the exact opposite and that'll that'll kind of paint the whole picture here of the way the nfl is going but jack campbell's a little throwback and you and I obviously really, really liked where his game is today if the draft was today. So before we get to number one, my number three guy is Alabama linebacker Henry To'o To'o. Uh, he is not in your top five. He was somebody who, when we were just chit-chatting a little bit pre-draft, we saw a little bit different. Well, maybe we see the same. Um, I might just not be as hard on him about the negatives because I think that everybody kind of sees some of the same negatives in uh, in Henry To'o To'o. Six foot two. 228 pounds, I believe, is what he is listed at. Four-star linebacker from Concord, California. Started his career at Tennessee, but transferred, uh, well, I believe, when Jeremy Pruitt got fired and uh, Josh Heupel is in there now. I think that's when the transition started. Got into Saban's defense, and I think he started for two years at Tennessee before he got over to Saban's defense. And I always love reading what Saban has to say about players, specifically linebackers, because you know if you're in the middle of a Saban defense, kind of what we talked about earlier in the podcast – it is a little bit by default that quarterback of the defense kind of feel where you kind of have to know everybody's role. Right. And it it always helps. I feel like you can always see when players know the roles of those around them, when they're not only watching film of what they should be doing, they're also watching film on what the safety might be doing behind them or what the defensive line front is doing in front of them to better understand and better anticipate where things are going. I think that Toto is a really nice athlete. When he sees things correctly, uh, he can really fly. When he puts his foot in the ground, I think the acceleration is really good. I think it is is definitely pro caliber. Uh, when he's coming off the edge, when he's coming off the uh, up the middle, he's a really good delayed blitzer. I think that he disguises his delayed blitzes really well, and he's got the athleticism to get home. Not every linebacker has that combination of ability. I think that Henry Toto does. The biggest issue for me with him is, going back to what I just said, the recognition and anticipation I just think isn't there for him as consistently as it needs to be. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you can tell when he reads something, when he knows where a play might be going pre-snap and his footwork is exactly where it needs to be and he can really put his foot in the ground and either get into the backfield or get to the sideline or whatever it is, He's got some really nice plays. The problem is that there's just a handful of snaps that I watched from him over a couple of games where it's almost like he was thinking too much and he was forgetting about the other stuff. Like his feet would go completely flat, like right at the snap. And he would see where a play is going and he would boom, he'd go, he'd go like right towards where the ball was going. But I'm like, man, if you, if you were a little bit lighter on your feet, if you anticipated that a little bit better, it could have been a major difference-making play instead of just a typical linebacker cleaning it up, making the tackle, getting a gang tackle in there with him. So I, those are the strengths and weaknesses that I saw with him. And in a class that really didn't have a ton of standout, yes, absolutely, this guy's a top 50 player in this class. Toto's athleticism, as well as the praise in which Nick Saban had for him just a few months into the team talking about the leader that he was, how he already grasped the defense really well, how he was already a great communicator of a very tough, complex defense, although he was coming from Jeremy Pruitt, so it wasn't no slouch of a defense he was coming from. But for Nick Saban to have that praise for a first-year player, 
first-time starter of his defense. I think that that means a lot. So just want to see some better recognition, honestly. keep Stay light on the feet. Stay on the toes. You've got the athleticism to be a difference maker. Let's just see a little bit more anticipation from him. Uh, and that was kind of how I saw him. I like it. All right. Obviously, a guy that we're going to watch um, a ton of being the middle of Alabama's defense this year. And we yep. saw a lot of last year. I'm glad he decided – to go back to school because I think he will look more comfortable this year. I think he has a chance to really elevate his stock. I thought he would have been a late day three afterthought in last year's draft. And I think in this class that you and I were pretty transparent, isn't overflowing with linebacker talent right now. He can really, really improve where he's slotted at. Number one, obviously, unless jarring a huge surprise, you and I see eye to eye on this number one after a different, uh, you know, a little bit different opinion of the linebackers behind him. But Trenton Simpson from Clemson was a pretty different watch than Very, most of these guys. Yes. And, it, you know, it was kind of my, my thought was, after watching him, was, man, when you look at Clemson, Miles Murphy and uh, Brian Bruzzi. Dude, that class is nuts. Their front seven is banana land that with these three. That 2020 class, I went and I looked it up because when I saw that Trenton Simpson was the number one rated outside linebacker in 2020, I was like, that's that's multiple players now. Clemson had the number one player at quarterback, defensive tackle, edge rusher, outside linebacker, and the number one player overall. Yeah. that In that 2020 class. That is, and it, it makes you wonder, like it, it, if if it all comes together this year, Bruzzy's health is really the number one thing. Obviously, yeah. the quarterback situation as well. The Simpson, I looked more closely to how I looked at Murphy. Murphy was my favorite of the three Clemson defenders, but Simpson was much closer to him in terms of how much I liked him than Bruzzy, who I had as the third defensive lineman interior defensive lineman in this draft so i mean let's get right into it 6 3 230 mm-hmm. junior linebacker uh son of a decorated u.s army ranger yep. that served 17 overseas tours it's crazy there, there is a very cool embedded video on his player page for clemson i believe it was from twitter of his dad saying like I, like how proud he is of him that he got to live his football dream his dad obviously making an ultimate sacrifice, a sergeant in the U.S. Army Rangers, 17 overseas tours. Uh, so that moment with his, him and his dad on the field was number a group, couldn't have a better way to start watching a prospect where sure. I was like, I, I love this guy. And I really hope, you know, he, I hope I love his film as much as I love obviously the character. And I did uh, used both as an off ball linebacker and edge pass rusher has clear short area burst and explosiveness where it's, it goes back to when you turn on the coach's tape and you turn on the end zone view and somebody looks different. And mind you, he's looking different movement-wise while playing with, like Trevor just said, all these number one recruits. So yeah, right. this dude is different in that sense. Uh, he makes plays from the backside, like pretty routinely. That's how fast he is, how explosive he is, where he will make backside tackles a lot. Closing speed with range to shut down the outside run game and the flats in coverage. He, when he sees it, 
he blows up the play. Like, mm. And he he sees it more than Sewell. That was that was the gap difference here. And you're going to hear these guys talked about together a lot because they're both juniors and they're both former big-time recruits and they've already played as underclassmen and they've played very well. Um, downhill speed is a weapon on stunts and twists. It's Clemson de- Clemson's defense. We've talked about this a million times. That's what right. they do. Right. Downhill speed's a weapon on those or as a stand-up rusher or blitzer. He, Trevor, he's the classic case of a guy that in this modern NFL, you can kick him outside. He can play some as a big slot defender. He can blitz from there. He's so fast that quarterbacks don't see him. He can survive in the middle because he's tough and feisty and he can get downhill and he can work through the, the trash and work through all that traffic. Um, I'm not saying he's a perfect player, but I thought he was far and away the best linebacker prospect in this draft. It reminds you a lot of Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, right? That that kind of That's it. That, I didn't think of that, but that's that, it. like linebacker slash and and Clemson. Fred Warner is another one. There's yeah. a couple of guys like this in the league right now that are used that they're linebackers, but they're not like, hey, you're a Mike. You're calling everything and you just sit in the middle of the field. And so that's the main talking point that I had about Trenton Simpson. So so Brent Venables, who is now the head coach at Oklahoma, was the longtime defense coordinator for Clemson when they were really going through their runs and, and winning national championships and all that. He won. He's, he's one of the most brilliant defensive minds in the game, what he's able to do with these players and how he's able to use their talents in so many different unique ways. For the last handful of years, he has really morphed his third linebacker position to kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Defenses are trying to counter what offenses are doing with no huddle, with the speed of their offense, and with how much they can spread you out with five receivers, four receivers, all that kind of stuff. Plus, you, you throw in the fact that these tight ends now can be on the line of scrimmage, and then you can motion them outside, and they're they're just big slot wide receivers. You've got to have defensive chess pieces to be able to match them. Brent Venables has a position on his defense. It's this Sam linebacker nickel defender hybrid, and. Um, Dorian O'Daniel ran it for a little bit a couple years ago. Isaiah Simmons, you know, w- was was running this role, but I think Trent Simpson runs this better than Isaiah Simmons did. I think he has a better grasp of this position, especially because I think Trent Simpson is a better pure linebacker than Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons almost felt like this like supersized, oversized safety that they were like, okay, well, you're so big. We're, we're yep. going to have you obviously play some linebacker. And he just didn't really thrive there. Simpson, I feel like, does really well with the physicality around the trenches, but then he also is comfortable playing that slot defender role. So there are times, uh, snap to snap, you could have him playing on the line of scrimmage, coming off of the backside or even on the strong side, one snap, and then you could have him a couple of yards off the line of scrimmage carrying a slot defender as a man coverage player the next. And I think that that is so rare. And I think that for all of the great athletes that Brent Venables has had at Clemson, Trenton Simpson feels like one of the best at this exact role. This position has kind of been, I don't want to say that it's new because it's definitely not new because there's plenty of high school and, and college coordinators who have been running things like this forever. But Saban, when he was kind of perfecting it for his defense, I think he calls this player like a money, a money defender, a money backer. Yep. Uh, the star, the star position as well. Mika Fitzpatrick played a lot of the star position, even though he was a little bit more safety than he was linebacker. Nick Saban put it like this. I put this quote in here. 
when you talk to players, you can say, look, these are the linebackers on the team. They're all going to play the money position. These are the DBs on the team. They're all going to learn how to play the money position because when it comes to the assignments of the defense, that position is the same. It's just that if they go four wide, then a linebacker can't be in there to cover it. So you put a DB in there. And if they go a little bit heavier, then you want to play the more linebacker position. To It is rare, and I have this as the first line that I have in Simpson scouting report, it is extremely rare to find a player who can be used as a full-time nickel-slash-sam defender the way that Simpson can. Typically, for the assignments, those are two positions that can't coexist in the same body type. But Simpson has the speed and athleticism of a safety and the pursuit ability, the strength, the durability, the physicality to play as an outside linebacker. He's pretty special. I really do think that. And and this position requires a lot of discipline. It requires a lot of snaps under your belt. So this next year for Simpson as a junior is going to be really, really important, just like it was for Sewell, like we just chatted about. I think that a big weakness of his is he can get over aggressive in his play style, and that can get him into trouble. Into trouble at times. Sometimes he's a little bit too aggressive when he's taking pursuit angles. And an, an area that I definitely noticed he was too over aggressive with is when making contact in the contact window when he's playing as a zone slot defender. He will try to redirect a slot player, but it's almost like he'll load up, like the like he'll load the arms back as if to like really bump the wide receiver off of his route, the wide receiver will see this and they will simply step right around him. And then yeah. Sims is just like, whew, he's just like <laughs> swinging in air and, or, or just like over aggressive. And then all of a sudden, okay, now you're out of position in your zone. Now you're not able to carry that guy the way that you need to, if he's going a little bit further down the field. So over aggressiveness, I think he needs to fix that a little bit, but I'm just really excited to see what his role is going to be. Obviously, with Venables not there, is it going to be more of that same thing? Is he going to play a little bit more of a traditional linebacker role? What's going to happen with Simpson? Such a unique football player that, look, we've seen the Isaiah Simmons of the league. We's seen the Jeremiah Wusukormos go to the league. And defensive coordinators kind of have to figure it out a little bit, right? Like, sometimes you have GMs that go, all right, we're drafting this guy because he's extremely talented. You guys figure it out from there. And it's not always that easy so yep. very curious to see what he plays this upcoming year but overall really special player rare combination of side speed athleticism strength all that absolutely the guy that i thought of as you were mentioning all the college defenses that use this kind of position this is a little bit of a throwback but um you know you obviously watch plenty of bucks football under todd bowles when bowles was with the cardinals he had a player that some people might remember by the name of Daryl Washington, who was only in the NFL for four years, uh, not because of talent. He had a substance abuse policy suspension for four games. I think he might have had a second one, and mm. then I know he did have an arrest and was never back in the league. But there was this run of two years where, I mean, he had a year under Bowles where he was second-team All-Pro in this position where he had an interception – Four passes broken up, two forced fumbles, nine sacks, 134 tackles. He just did everything. He did everything. Where it was Bowles was like, okay, you are our money backer and you are going to run around and make a million plays. We're going to blitz you from the overhang. We're going to have you cover. We're going to have, could do everything. And, you know, Daryl Washington's a bit of a throwback name at this point because it's been about 10 years, but. 
when I watched Simpson, I was like, oh, man, an NFL defensive coordinator is going to look at this guy and think, I can ask him to do just yep. about it. And here's the difference. We get so many guys that everybody looks at that play safety. Simmons is an example, right? Kyle Hamilton's an example. These guys that play safety and everyone's like, man, I'd love to move him in the box and play him as a linebacker. I think it's more impactful when a guy that is actually a linebacker can do some slot safety things instead. Sure. sure. Because they you're not sacrificing anything in the box. And this game so often is won and lost or attacked and defended by a numbers game in the box that you never want to give up a number in the box. And it's still that's an the in, it's still an inside out thing, you know. Yeah. Whether you're harping on what you're doing in coverage or not, like the the anatomy of the play still begins in the middle. It still begins where yep. the ball is. You you have to check those boxes first and foremost. Now, you know, some teams get extreme with um, you know, like guaranteed like for example, like what the Chargers did last year, where the Chargers were kind of like, Okay, we're gonna focus on what we're doing on on the back end of things so much so that we are making it now too easy for teams we are inviting teams to run but we are all of a sudden now making it too easy right. for teams to run and th- there's a balance that you got to find there but i i think i agree with you because it's almost like you know the saying where a, a, a coach will go i'd rather have to hone a guy in than try to get something out of him than mm-hmm. try to like make him something that he's shown he's done. I'd rather have to bring a guy down. I'd rather have to hone him in. I'd rather him be, be have too much energy and I got to reel it in than him not have enough energy, him not have enough physicality and me try to get that out of him. That's almost kind of what we're talking about here where if you look at this Sam nickel package defender hybrid position, you would certainly rather than play linebacker first because one, they're probably going to have more size, more meat on the bone. If you will, they're going to be bigger, but also you're not going to have to force them to get more physical. Right. I think that was kind of a thing with Isaiah Simmons is like, yeah, he was a great athlete, but I think Cardinals, especially in that first year, were, were trying to get him to be more physical where it needed that physical presence in his game before they could really branch out and do other things. Jeremiah Usakoromoa never was really shy of being physical. That's why I really liked him as a prospect for this kind of hybrid role. And I think the same thing of Simpson, he's a linebacker first. That's kind of this also hybrid defensive back defender, but he brings you that physicality first and foremost, which I think is really important. That's it. And and obviously you and I really liked him. We're excited to watch him. I think the, if you can't tell from three episodes of scouting defensive positions, we've done edge pass rush, interior D-line, and linebacker. The Clemson defense is a big part of the equation of the 2023 NFL draft, folks. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. They've got they've got some damn good players who could be uh, who could definitely be dictating uh this upcoming draft. There we go. That is the preseason off-ball linebacker scouting, summer scouting top fives from uh from connor and i is there anybody else you want to give a shout out to i know some people like ventrell miller from florida i've watched ventrell miller a lot over the last couple of years physical linebacker i just don't know if he's got the athleticism to really survive in the league i think that he's currently a, a day three pick at this point he's also been around i think he's like his <laughs> sixth or seventh year i thought he was gonna be in the draft two years ago right like yeah, i was I mean, sure of it he could have been a couple but... names um i'm glad that you mentioned troy brown Dorian Williams from Tulane yep. is an interesting guy. Another dude. Packs a punch for Packs sure. Packs a punch. So does Bumper Pool from Arkansas. Uh, Incredible name. Incredible name. Linebacker named Bumper. 
bumper fool. He is a true bumper the thumper. I mean, that's what he is. He really is a thumping middle linebacker. I think that was it. That it, it wasn't a class that I, you know, found myself going like when we watched the receivers, I was like, man, can I I want to get through like 20. This class I was like, nah, it some really break out this year, but overall I felt pretty comfortable with the the 10 or so that that we've gone through. Who else do I have on my list? I had uh I had Bumper Pool on the list. I had Williams on the list. Uh Miller Justin Flo from Oregon is interesting because I think he was the number one linebacker in the 2020 class. Sounds right. I think he was the number one inside linebacker, but he has not played a lot. He's had injuries, and so there's not a ton to judge for him. Another Uh, guy, though, when you watch Sewell, you watch him right there. That's that's the nice thing. Campbell and Justin Jacobs. I think we only had the Fresno game last year. That was yeah. like the only game that he played. Yeah. So we yeah. gotta see we gotta see a lot more of Justin Flo. DeMarvion Overshone is a linebacker slash again, like nickel defender hybrid who plays Dude, for Texas. There were so many of those guys that I was like, should I save him for the strong safeties? I mean, like, at least I, I didn't even know what to do. I'm definitely gonna watch Overshone for the safeties. I didn't get the okay. I didn't I didn't have the time to watch him, but I knew I had him in my back pocket and I could probably watch him for the safeties. So I'm just perfect. Right. We we finesse the game like no other. Oh, you got to do it. You got to play the game. You got to play the, the summer scouting game. That's what it's all about. Uh, what do we got? What do we got next week? Uh, Monday. Kick things off. Monday. We gonna give the people a teaser. I haven't looked at our schedule now that we're back on vacation. I think we actually we got a couple ideas. We Maybe we don't give ideas. it away. Oh, I. No, I don't want to give it away because I don't know. know. I'm I'm like juggling between two or three really good ones that I want to make sure that we get in here before the summer is like fully over and we start getting into preseason games and training camp. I would say we're going to be talking about preseason football real soon, which is vital to this show because it's all the rookies playing all the time. Huge. Monday mornings are going to be like dynamite. It's going to be so great. We got summer scouting cornerbacks next week. Safeties is the week after. And then... Uh, the following week after we finish up safeties, we're going to have a big mailbag. So you guys can ask us any kind of like scouting questions, guys that you have watched throughout the summer that you, you might want to hear us talk about. Um, so we'll have a mailbag episode. Then we'll do top 50 prospects Yep. for the show going into the season. And then the week after that, we will have our very first 2023 mock draft, man. It is all coming together. It's the month of August. Football is here. Uh, maybe another Hall of Fame game when I say football is here, but like preseason football is actually going to be decent. We've got the training camp clips flowing. Uh, it's going to be exciting stuff. So uh, prepare for the Jake Lutton experience, folks. <laughs> CJ, CJ beat hard. I don't know if he's going to play. CJ but... beat hard is too good to play <laughs> in the Hall of Fame game. What an absolute travesty. All right, that's that's Connor Rogers. I'm Trevor Sikama. Uh, we will see you guys on Monday. This has been the NFL Soccer Shane Podcast.